You're listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to episode 10, writing flawed characters without turning off readers. I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Josiah DeGruff. I'm Rolina Hatfield. And I'm Dea Slam. And today we're discussing flawed protagonists and how to write them so you don't turn off readers. So guys, when giving protagonists a powerful character arc, we know you have to start with them living out a flawed experiment in living. And it's hard to find a balance so that you can show the character's growth over the course of the story without having the reader immediately put down the book because they don't like their protagonist. Have any of you ever run into this sort of situation or something similar in your writing? So my second novel I ever wrote, I had a flawed protagonist, and his flaw was that uh, basically he was kind of cowardly, and he didn't want to get involved in the plot. He wanted to stay safe. And that is one of the hardest characters you can ever write because they're very inactive, and activity is one of the things that draws uh, readers to appreciate a character. Now in a a recent novella I just wrote, I have another flawed protagonist, um, but he is very active. He actually killed a character Uh, in the story, and he should not have done so. But it was part of him trying to overcome his situation, being proactive, and I also gave him a sympathetic reason for doing so. So that that proactivity is very important, I believe. Mm. I assume you're talking about uh, God of Mana there as as the book where... Yes, yeah. I, I I just read that book last night, and that was like, there are so many things that I was like not expecting, and that was one of them, like, oh, he's gonna make the right decision. I was like, oh, no. No, no, I did not think he would go there. Yeah, I have my characters go there sometimes. Ah, spoilers. I haven't read that book yet. Yeah, sorry. Spoilers, everybody. (laughs) And I think, you know, just like talking about that for a bit, I think one of the things I thought, you know, I thought one of the things that made that scene work really well, at least for me, was the fact that we understood why the protagonist made that decision. Mm-hmm. with the external pressures he was facing at that, where it wasn't, oh, here's this horrible person going around murdering, but you kind of gave us uh, an insight to him. Well, here's why he's going to make this decision. And so even when I was like, I wish he didn't do that, I also understood, well, this is this is why he did it. Yes. Uh, this actually reminds me of The Count of Monte Cristo, which I think is a great example of how to do this, because the whole story is about the protagonist going on this horrible um, search for vengeance Yet it's very sympathetic and it's exciting the whole time because the author put so much work into showing exactly why uh, Edmond Dantes wanted this vengeance. He spent, I don't know how many chapters, maybe 10, describing the horrors of what he suffered. I love that book. Um, yeah. yeah, I think part of it is, at least in that book, at least as the reader, I- I'm kind of feeling for him most of the story. He's like, I need to get revenge. I'm like, yeah, you do. Let's get this revenge. Let's make all these guys suffer. These are horrible, horrible people. You know, one of the things that Dumas does so well, I think, in that book, something I think other writers can pick up on as well as a trick, is that he makes us empathize a lot with the protagonist. And so we're really vicariously experiencing this character arc through him. At the beginning of the story, we're like, yes, you know, these people are horrible people. They deserve punishment. He should be avenging himself on them. And then as he's realizing this isn't the right path, 
we're realizing it too. So even though he's doing things that we might normally think were terrible because of the fact that Dumas set it up in such a way that we feel with the protagonist and are kind of kind of cheery for him in his path of vengeance, it makes it that we aren't pushed away from him. And then we get to learn the less about vengeance right along with the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yes, we definitely have to have that point of empathy there. And like you were saying earlier, readers have to understand why the character is making these decisions, um, why they're giving giving into their flaws. Like Deus, I also have um, a character who deals with murdering another character in the story. And so when I had when I had this idea and wanted to write it out and see what would happen, of course I didn't want readers to hate this character when they when they read the story because she's the main character, you know, and I can't have readers hating her and throwing the book across the wall. So after I wrote out that that scene, I had my sister read it. And then, you know, when she was done, I asked her, okay, what do you think of this character? Do you hate her for this, this act of murder? And of course, we want her to not appreciate what that character has done, and that is wrong. But um, the, the thing I wanted her to, to pick up on or to see is if she had this, this point of empathy with this character that um, the character was controlled in part and and when she murdered this character she was being controlled by someone else um and she's definitely gonna have to reap the consequences but my sister said she didn't hate the character because of that fact that there was that empathy there and she understood what was happening when this character committed an act of murder can can i just say that both you and deus are very violent authors (laughs) (laughs) choices with your protagonists of killing other people indeed Don't do it all the time. Right. Not all the time. Hey, you're, you're quite a violent author yourself. You know, I, I was just going to leave myself out of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it's physical torture reading your books. <laughs> it's like, no. It's torture for the characters. So if the characters are being tortured, you probably should as well as readers. Yeah. It's got um, my philosophy. Another idea came to mind. One of the techniques for making any character interesting is to have someone else who really loves them um, have a really strong relational factor to their character. Mm. Um, I'm having trouble coming up with any examples. I know I've read them, but if you have a flawed character and then somebody loves them despite their flaws, that's a huge boost in reader empathy right there. Can you think of any examples of this? Uh, well, I mean, maybe what, one example I think, you know, not to go all, all Marvel and, you know, still reeling from Endgame here. <laughs> But, you know, I think of the Winter Soldier in the original Captain America Winter Soldier movie. If there had been no connection, he'd just been a random brainwashed Russian agent. Would Mm -hmm. we have any empathy or care for him as an audience? Probably not really. He'd just be like, oh, well, that's too bad. He's been brainwashed. But, you know, that just makes him a nondescript enemy, just like the, the, the other Winter Soldiers that were teased in Civil War would have been, of there'd just be an opponent. But because of the fact that you know, Steve Rogers cares about Bucky, we suddenly care about him as well. Mm. While I'm on the subject of Marvel, I think another interesting way that Marvel has sometimes taken or to help us like unsympathetic protagonists has to do with Tony Stark in the first and second Iron Man films. He's pretty unlikable um, in the first part of Iron Man and also I found for the entirety of Iron Man 2 when I was watching it for the first time a couple weeks ago in preparation for Endgame. But one of the reasons why I still followed him and still cared about him as a character is because of the fact that what they did was they made him a very... They gave him a lot of personality. And I think because he was such a strong, captivating character, even if you didn't like him, 
you were still captivated enough by him that you kind of wanted to follow through and see what happens to him. And this is something that happens in, in real life, that you have people in real life who are jerks, who are bullies, and yet they still get a following and people following them. And why is this? Well, it's because they have really strong personalities that are really attractive. You know, in my mind, this is kind of dangerous. You don't want to be following along someone just because they've got a strong personality. Bad things happen. But that is something I think at times we can bring into our books is that it's certainly helpful if you can get the reader to experience things along with the protagonist. But sometimes if you have a character that's just captivating enough that the reader feels the need to just follow him because they're captivated by them, I think that can also work to try and get past the problem of turning off readers with the protagonist. And I think you guys are bringing up really good points that characters, people are not just made of flaws. So even though we have, we want characters to be flaws, we want them to be realistic and relatable in that way. They also have quirks. They also have things that we love about them. They also have things that they want, things that hurt them, things that will motivate them, just like people. So I think that the, the balance so that we're not turning readers off by, by these flaws, and some flaws are definitely more, more evident than other ones or not so subtle as other ones, you know, when it comes to those jerks, but they may have huge personality. Just bringing that balance that, that there's more to this character than just their flaws. So focusing on, you know, bringing in some other things that, that are likable about this character or that, you know, what we talked about empathy that we can empathize with really helps the readers so that they're not turned off as well. And some of this may just involve, I think, sometimes just us as authors seeing them as more than just the flaw themselves. Um, early on in my writing, um, you know, one of the works I worked on a lot during high school was a book called The Capstone um, that followed this protagonist. And in the beginning, I wanted to give him this, this character arc of selfishness to selflessness. The problem is that when I, for the first three drafts or so of the story, my beta readers were telling me, I really don't like your protagonist. Why is that the case? Well, it's because who was he as a protagonist to me? Well, he was someone who was selfish at the beginning of the book. And that's kind of where the character development began and ended. And so when I was just writing someone who was selfish and then moving him to selflessness, it wasn't very likable because that was more or less all who he was. I began to think about, well, why, you know, what are the different character personality traits of him? How can I make him come more alive when he wasn't just that one value? He became more interesting, more engaging, and more likable because I wasn't flattening him as a person. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Quick announcement for you all today. We're switching up the posting schedule for the podcast. Now, I'll be joined by Josiah Dace and Rolina every first Saturday of the month, and then Josiah, Hopan, and Brandon Miller every third Saturday of the month. Also, quick reminder that there's only 29 days left to enter our second annual short story contest. Submit your story by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on June 30th, 2019 for a chance to have your story published on the Story Embers website and win a $100 Amazon gift card. Visit storyembers.org forward slash blog to view the complete guidelines and submit your story. Welcome back, everyone. I'm with SC staffers Josiah DeGraff, Rolina Hatfield, and Dea Slam, and we're tackling the ins and outs of flawed protagonists, how you can impactfully show a protagonist's growth over the course of a story without turning readers away from the character. Do you guys have any final tips for how storytellers can navigate this kind of situation? I'm going to jump in here with one of my favorite villains, um, 
Kylo Ren, now that I say it, people are going to freak out because so many people hate him and just shut up people. Uh, (laughs) uh, I think the reason he's so controversial is because um, he's so complex that his the nuance of his nuances of his personality can be interpreted uh, different ways because they're so subtle. Um, but how I see him is as the villain who has the strongest conscience of any villain I have ever seen, and that is utterly fascinating. And it's like Rolina said, how um, even people who have, people have flaws that also have strengths, and that is one of his big strengths: is his um, his conscience is very active. He's even compassionate to some degree. He watches out for others. It's really, it makes him, I think, even more interesting than Ray. And he's super flawed. Yeah, Ray, Ray kind of got the short stick in the <laughs> new Star Wars trilogy. And maybe, you know, in some ways, you know, Ray shows the reverse problem of, you know, why do you need to give your protagonist flaws? Because mm-hmm. at least in my mind, one of the big problems with Ray is that it's it's not that she doesn't have flaws. I think she does, but they're not really focused on at all. And it's it's very generic. And as a result, at least for me, while I really want to like her character, it's hard for me to tie onto her because I don't you don't get those those moments of empathy that often come with our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You know, for better or for worse, at least for myself, I find that one of the things that attaches me the most to someone is their flaws. Because when I look at their flaws, it become I'm like, yeah, I struggle like that as well because I'm a sinful human being. And so I relate to someone based on the fact that sometimes they struggle with the exact same sins that I do. And so while there can certainly be challenges in writing characters with flaws and making them likable despite their flaws, in some ways I think flaws should make characters in some way more likable because it makes them more realistic and more relatable to the readers. Mm-hmm. One last piece of advice for any writer who wants to write a flawed protagonist is to uh, write from a point of humility. Think of how you share the same flaw or a similar flaw to your character. Um, a lot of good writing comes through extrapolation, even if you know, we talked about characters who murder other people. Um, hopefully you've never done that, but you've probably had some sort of anger against somebody else. So you can extrapolate what it's like. And you can see um, the seed of the same, of any, pretty much any sin issue, your character in yourself. And of course you love yourself. And so seeing the problems in yourself will help you write empathetically about your flawed characters. Mm. And just to kind of hone in on that, you know, I think about what Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount, that he who hates his brother, he who says to his brother, Raka, you're in danger of hellfire because... You may not be physically murdering someone, but in some way you're you're doing the same thing when you're doing those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for us as Christian storytellers, that's something that can help us with our understanding of how to depict, you know, people who do really bad things. Because we understand that what separates us from the murderer is nothing but God's grace. And we understand the fact that the roots of that same sin also dwell in us because that's what Christ tells us. And I think we can use that in order to better depict people who do terrible things because it forces us to remember, well, it's not that these people are, it's not like they're uniquely terrible people. It's that they are, uh, God is, you know, isn't restraining them. So they're continuing to indulge in these wrong things. And so if we can take our own negative tendencies and think about what extrapolation looks like, I think that can help us craft these characters who are realistic. 
Thanks so much for joining me, Josiah Rolina and Deus, and thank you listeners for tuning in. As always, you can learn more about today's panelists by visiting storyembers.org forward slash about, and special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clogston and Michael Stanton. Join me again next time as Josiah, Hope Ann, and Brandon Miller tackle how you can discover your personal writing style on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast. Submit your story by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on June 30th, 2019 for a chance to have your story published on the Story Embers website and win to... And win... What? For a chance to have your story published on the Story Embers website and win a hundred... And win... Why win? And win a hundred (laughs) thousand... I almost said a hundred thousand. No, goodness no. (sighs) For a chance to have your story published on the Story Embers website... And win a $100 Amazon gift card. Woo!